Welcome to the first episode of Carrots and Suffering, a D&D Odyssey. We are a high roleplay, intrigue-based D&D game. Our major themes are old world fairy tales, growing up, and maybe becoming your parents. We're kind of like a YA novel meets a soap opera, at least to start with, although we've got some dark tones. Like all podcasts for D&D, we spent about two episodes introducing the world, while the players find their characters, and then things start to get dramatic. Our rules adherence is a medium level, but because we spend most of our time role-playing, it comes up less than you'd think, and we tend to edit it out. Our audio quality gets better as we go, so stick with us. Lastly, there is a dog in the background named Robbie. He's trying to get us to throw a ball for him. Just ignore him. All right, let's introduce the world, and then we will get started. The ancient kingdom of Fenrir, blessed with prosperity from the Queen of Fairy for a millennia, has fallen. The once bountiful forests are teeming now with thorns and monsters. Each prick of the bramble's poison turns man into beast, one drop at a time. For over a lifetime now, the kingdom has struggled to remain alive. Three little maidens from finishing school, trained in the arts of dinner etiquette and a touch of magic, gather their wits and step into the cutthroat world of adulthood. Silpha Lunari, the bookish but courtly wizard with moth-like features. Obviously, this situation benefits some people more than others. Sable Mirkwood, the young and naive druid whose very touch sickens like the flesh of a poison frog. Not exactly the best liar. And Jalen, the trained but idealistic assassin, whose skin shifts like the chameleon with her every emotion. For intrigue, you need things like secrets, so what if we just don't have secrets? Join our heroes as they enter a world of intrigue, adventure, and magic. Can they change the world they inherited, or will it change them? I am Nate, and I will be your Dungeon Master in this fairy-themed 5th edition D&D campaign. I'm Julie, and I will be playing the Moth Mage, Sofa Lunari. I am Mandy, I will be playing the Chameleon Rogue, Jalen. And I'm Sandra. I am playing the poison-skinned druid, Sable. So our world opens in the place that all good D&D campaigns open. The tavern! You're in a tavern referred to as Socialize. The tavern long ago was an inn in generations past. It is not an inn anymore. There haven't been travelers since the thorns happened. At this point, it is a bar with lots of rooms. You find yourselves on the main floor on a circular table. This is where you want to be if anyone comes hiring during this soon-to-be political fiasco. No sooner have you settled in to drink a cup of something that the door opens and in walks two obviously unofficial business people. You recognize the champion Riley, which as locals you, you know to call him or not call him Bastard Riley. He is the bastard child of the late Lord Miev. You recognize him because his thin snake tongue shoots out periodically and sniffs the air. And his (laughs) partner in crime slash probably wife is the right word, Carolina. And Carolina is very sheep-like herself. She has basically sheep's wool for hair. It is incredibly thick. It smells of sheep. <laughs> and these two are married. <laughs> yeah. Well, probably not by ceremony. So Riley and Carolina have marched in from the Miev estate, which is about two hours walking away, right out on the edge of the thorns. Okay. So they are heavily armed and armored, just in case. They stride in, scan the room, they both walk up to your table, and Carolina sets down a bag of coins. And a small note, and then turns without really acknowledging either of you, and goes to the bar where she orders a drink. Riley follows her, and you all note that even though they appear to be trying to be subtle about this, the bar notices. <laughs> and there's a few people kind of like leaning off their table to try to see what the like, note says. Coins you might have got. I pick up the note. I pick up the bag. Okay, the bag has three gold coins in it. Mm -hmm. The note says, I have a job for you. Tell no one. Come to House Miev. Tell no one. Tell no one. 
Don't be seen. Tuck it away very obviously in my pouch. <laughs> Jalen is going to open her pouch very visibly and drop the bag inside. <laughs> well, my beer is empty. I guess I'll go home. I guess I'll go with you. Sure. I can give you that recipe. Would you like that recipe too? I was going to have a, another mead and speak to Carolina. Oh, right. Did Carolina come in? <laughs> I missed her. So Carolina and Riley back up at the bar have gotten both a cup of, of ale. Mm-hmm. They appear to have bought the cheapest thing available and are downing it rapidly. They and aren't very good at subtlety at all. <laughs> so Jalen's like plucking sheep wool off of the dark clothes. Be like, really? You missed that, huh? Yeah. I'm sorry. I'll eye your pack and talk with you quietly as she goes and talks to Carolina. I will make some excuse to get up and and talk to Champion Riley and Carolina. You want to catch up with us? (laughs) She winks and and nods. (laughs) So yeah, you walk up to Carolina and Riley. Carolina will look at you kind of side-eyed and then say, Oh, fancy meeting you here. Oh yes, it's been so long. What was your name again? Uh... Silpha? Silpha. Yeah, Silpha. What can I do for you? I was wondering if you might enjoy a mead with me. Yeah, definitely. I've got one. So what brings you here? I don't normally see you and Champion Riley frequenting socialize. Uh, well, Riley is a big fan of the drink here. And so we came for a drink this afternoon. And we'll head back to House Meow soon. Wow. Think they do this often? No. So Riley puts his hand on Carolina's back and says, What's going on in your world? (laughs) Oh, you know, since Cygnus and I broke up, I really don't go out that much. Oh, sorry about that. He was not good for you. Anyways, I I guess Sable and Jalen have an errand to run. I was going to see if I could help them. We do need help. Lots of help. Excellent. I think you should help them. At your earliest convenience. (laughs) I heard the situation was very urgent. I'm sure it is. You see him, like, flip his lizard tongue into his drink kind of pull it back in and goes, yes, tasty. So, that we go? <laughs> Let. <laughs> and we're out the door before we make an absolute fool out of ourselves. What's, you your, what's your passive perception? Thirteen. As soon as you stand up to leave, you note that a gentleman in leather armor in the back of the bar stands up from the group he's talking to and starts to leave with you. Jalen will recognize champion Laurel, who has a sort of feather motif running through his hair. Champion Laurel works for House Evans. Okay. And reports to Viscount Evans. As you guys, I assume, head out the door. She's going to put up her hood. Mm -hmm. The streets are quiet, and... About 30 steps after you get out of the door, the door opens again, and I'm just like, Champion Laurel kind of steps out. Who's the guy following? I'm asking you, who's the guy following us? He works for Evans. Oh. Uh, why is he following us? I haven't the foggiest. Okay. Should I ask him? Well, as soon as he comes out the door. Yes, well, let's get to a nice quiet spot. Yeah. He kind of, he meanders like he's trying to let you get out a ways in front of him. You know, he's being very subtle. Mm-hmm. With his following you. But we saw him come out. You saw him come out. Door has a really loud creak. He's clearly following you. Well, is there an alley? Would you like to duck down one of them with your friends? Are we ducking down an alley? Let's duck down an alley. Alright, you know your way around alleys better than any of us. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm gonna pick an alley, I know. Alright, about 30 seconds after you disappear into the alley, Champion Laurel's kind of head pokes around the alley and sees you, I assume, just staring at him. Mm-hmm. Staring right back. Hi! Oh! Hello. Um, do you need something, Champion Laurel? Oh, no, no, no. I was just on my way back to the Evans estate, and I needed to pee. Sure, and you wanted to escort 
three girls to where they're going? Where he was going to pee? I don't really need to see you pee. No, just tell us why you're following <laughs> us. Please don't pee in this alley. So Laurel looks a little awkward and says, I'm just interested in what the servants of House Miev are up to today. Today? They're Look, drinking. Looked like they were drinking. Yeah. That is what they were going for, isn't it? Mm. It can make some coin out of this. If you were wondering about the tavern, it was a thank you note and some coin. Ah, yeah. A thank you note for, for I'm sure, services rendered. What what have you been up to? Are you interested in knowing? I am. For personal gain? For your lord? As I'm sure you know, information is how I get to buy gifts for my lady friend. Mm-hmm. We like gifts. Yeah. We're fond of them. I prefer my gifts in silver. I see. If you have one, I might be able to tell you a little bit more about this thank you card. All right. And he hands you a piece of silver. Straight in your palm. It's real, right? It's real silver, yes. All right. I took the silver away and I say... It was an invitation to House Myth. She didn't say why she wanted three armed mercenaries? No, just come. Do Excuse I look me? like an armed mercenary, <laughs> Champion Laurel? Lady Miev is a cousin. Yes. I presume she wants our attendance for a party. Fine, fine. All right. Clearly, this uh, exchange of information has been beneficial to both of us. Mm -hmm. And I'm happy we were able to come to an agreement. I'll leave you alone. Great. Have a good night. Excuse me, I'm gonna go get a drink. Maybe you should pee first. So you head down the path, you pass a number of businesses, you pass a number of houses. I'll remark upon the fact that I think that it's kind of neat that people are considering us a unit at this time. I think that will work to our advantage as decisions are being made in the near future regarding leadership. Marriages, betrothals. What I don't understand is if Lady Miev wanted secrecy, why why she wouldn't make arrangements in a more subtle way. Could be a diversion. Oh, that's true. We could be the diversion. She, she might she might be looking to do something else and wants to make something a little more visible in the meantime. She is clever like that. Mm -hmm. I haven't spent much time with her, so I don't know. But one way or another, we're getting paid. We should make sure no one else is following. Roll me perception, please, all around. We'll see how you do. It's 2 p.m., so if this is sight-based, it's probably a disadvantage. It is disadvantage for the moth person, very much so, yes. Oof. Eight. Aw, oh, I would have had a 19, but instead... 13. I have a, no, an eight. Laurel hasn't quite given up, and when you stop and start looking around, like, you can see him stop, turn around, and trudge away begrudgingly. <laughs> Everybody waves. Everybody. <laughs> Bye. Silpha does the, the queen's wave. The DC was 12 and one of you made it. So you choose the right time. Okay. To, to stop and look around and catch him obviously starting to follow you again. All right. You walk about an hour out of town. You're about halfway to House Mievs. As we go, we're, we're not having to walk through thorns no. on the way, right? The thorns. This, this is cleared area. Okay. Basically, there's a barrier of thorns that the serfs cut out to, mm -hmm. and every morning they grow in a little bit, and every day long they go cut them back. However, at the end of your hour, you're reaching the edge of the thorns, mm -hmm. near House Miev, mm -hmm. and the first thing you notice as you get close to the thorns is there's a group of five serfs. They're all dressed in thorns-cutting equipment, so they're wearing really thick hide. In lots of layers, overlapping every visible piece of skin. These are like curveless leather bags that they're wearing that are sort of roughly human shape. And they are equipped with a giant leather hood that covers their face. The only thing visible is they have two little eye slits and a small hole where their mouth would probably be. Mm -hmm. You can't tell their gender, you can't see any mutations. They're holding large knives. And they have a small wooden shed and a fire pit. One person holds the thorns, one person cuts the thorns, another person takes them and walks into the fire and throws them in, and one person keeps the fire. I would have it known 
that my clothes, albeit as covering as that, are definitely far more tailored. They actually look decent. And then my face is not 100% covered. You ladies are walking along. The fifth person who does not have a job waves at you. We wave back. I'll wave in response. I'll wave at the microphone. I'll I'll nod to him. (laughs) This is something that we've seen on a regular basis our whole lives, right? Yeah, and you'll probably pass two more before you teams like this before you get to Ausmeath. So you start heading by. At this point, very briefly, you see one of the workers has sort of wrapped up a, a bundle of thorns in his hugely overgloved hands and is pulling them back, and another worker is hacking at them. Mm-hmm. When something leaps out of the thorns that they're actively cutting, jumps between them, and hits the ground, you're pretty sure it was a bunny rabbit at some point. It has swollen to the size of a large dog. <laughs> it's a swole rabbit. <laughs> rabbit is jacked. <laughs> Jack rabbit. <yeah>. Rabbit mad! <laughs> it is one, incredibly well muscled. Mm-hmm. Two, its snout has kind of elongated and coming out of the sides of its mouth are misshapen, misaligned fangs. Ugh. Kind of like looking at the muzzle of an alligator, maybe? On its front paws, two, like, six-inch-long razor-sharp claws are in each front paw. Looks around, kind of startled, and you may all roll me a quick initiative roll, please. To see who goes first. Okay, who beats a 12? I do. Sable is first. And and then Silpha. And Silpha beat a 12 as well? Yes. Jalen, how'd you do? Eight. Okay. So immediately when this rabbit comes out, the guy holding the branches starts and one of the branches pulls out of his hand Mm -hmm. and slaps across the hooded face of the worker who was cutting it. Mm -hmm. Okay. This person who's slapped in the face with this thorn goes down hard to their knees and Sable. All right. With a skilled gesture, I reach into a pouch on my belt pull out a string of different colored herbs that have been tied all with one ribbon and swirl that ribbon around my stick, thereby casting shillelagh and making it a magical weapon. Okay, Silpha. Silpha will back up and she will use her offensive cantrip on the the rabbit creature and a, a frigid beam of blue light light will come out of her hand to try to strike it. All right, roll the hit. Ten, your ray, this thing is moving very fast, strikes the ground behind it. Wait, so my attack missed by a hair. Ah! Oh, you're fired. <laughs> we are to the bun bun. So... The jacked bun. The swole bun spins to a stop, eyes you all, and then darts towards the wooden shed. How far is the shed? The shed is probably about 50 feet away. It disappears into the open wooden shed. Now, this wooden shed is not very big. It's like five feet by five feet, generously. It's clear full of junk. You hear as it slams into the shed, like, rakes falling over and other things. It, You're guessing it's chaos in there right now. Mm-hmm. And that brings us to Jalen. Uh, Jalen is going to ready in action. Okay. Uh, ready with the short bow until it comes out. All right. Or until she sees it again. Bunny rabbit comes out, you're going to shoot it. I'm going to shoot it. Okay. All right. Uh, that is the end of the round. At the end of the round, the four humans who are standing and have their wits about them unfurl a cloth from out, from underneath their hood, like they were wearing it as a scarf underneath the hood, mm-hmm. and unfurl it so that they have a big, basically, blanket and they start flapping the blanket in the direction of the bunny rabbit who has gone into the hut. What the hell does that mean? What is that? So you as a druid know what they're doing. They're, okay. appear- they're appearing big oh. to oh. scare it away. I'm a big thing! I'm a big thing! So so they're trying to scare the bun bun. They're trying to scare bun bun away. A huge crash echoes behind them as the eight or nine foot wall of thorns parts. And coming out of it at a dead run is what used to be probably a wolf. Oh, jeez. And it is swole. (laughs) (laughs) 
This wolf stands as high as a horse. Oh, good God. Good grief. And it is all muscle, and just sort of jutting out of its skin are plates of bone, stegosaurus-like, down its back. Oh, good God. And it's got extra sort of bone plating around its, like, what would be its shoulders. I'm wishing I had thought to bring a blanket. And eyes you all. Now, one thing that is immediately apparent, no matter how much blanket they have, they are not as big as this wolf. Yeah. And the wolf doesn't see its rabbit prey. And that brings us to Sable. I am going to cast Entangle. What's going to happen is a bunch of weeds and vines are going to sprout up from the ground in a 20-foot square, pretty much centered on him. So the, the wolf is going to roll a strength saving throw. And it is pretty strong. It rolls terribly. It uh, comes up with a nine, which is not, not sufficient. Nope. The thorns that they're cutting back actively reach out and grab this wolf and start pulling it toward the ground. The wolf, for its part, holds its ground, but it is not moving anymore. And I tell to the people shaking blankets, I, I think you should probably get out of here. As I hold my Leave stick the blanket. in front of me. <laughs> As I hold my stick out in front of me, hoping that this thing doesn't jump at me. Sofa. I want to be as far away from the wolf as possible, but it's now entangled in thorns, right? It is. I think I will try Ray of Frost once more. Okay. Hold um, it. This time on the wolf. Fifteen. Fifteen. You strike the wolf solidly. So my, my icy blast will do uh, 1d8 cold damage. We'll take 4 damage, and then if it were moving, its speed would be reduced. So, that brings us to Bumba. The shed falls quiet. While it hides. <laughs> because it's not an idiot, like us, out here fighting the thing. And the wolf struggles with the vines. It starts to, like, foam at the mouth, like, slobbers going everywhere, and it spends its turn trying to get out of them. It fails. Yay! The thorns just have it. Jalen. Alright, Jalen's gonna shoot at the wolf. I'm gonna, gonna turn away from the shed. The shed's quiet, so she's yeah. gonna turn to the wolf and shoot the wolf. Okay. Uh, is anybody within five feet? No, ma'am. Okay. Alright. <laughs> Ten. No, twelve. Alright. A twelve is not going to quite connect. Clatters into one of the stegosaurus plates down the back of this wolf. Mm -hmm. Probably you missed because it's struggling with the thorns. That brings us to the end of the round. The four humans who have their wits about them do not drop their blankets because that is a bad move. Mm -hmm. They also don't turn and run because they've been in this position before. Mm -hmm. They start slowly backing away, still flapping their sheets. Very big. <laughs> they're very. They're so big. They're so big. And they move. I flap in your general direction. They move slowly backwards, leaving the fifth one that was struck in the face still lying there. Still unconscious. It doesn't seem to be unconscious. It's it's like grabbing at its face mm -hmm. through the mask, mm -hmm. but it's just. It's not getting up or running. Okay. Sable. All right, so I'm going to walk over to you and say, uh, I can't do anything while I'm holding him, but please, uh, what's guide you? Jalen. And I'm going to use guidance on her. You get a D4 for your next ability nice. check. So far. Well, in this moment, I'm remembering how, how fragile that I am, and I'm afraid that this wolf could eventually break free and leave me in trouble if it would come towards us, so... I will use this opportunity to cast Mage Armor on myself, and for the next eight hours, my AC is 16 until, instead of 12. You're the tank now. <laughs> Moth tank. Heaven help us. Bun bun. No sound comes from the shed. The wolf is so mad. <laughs> the thorns, this is not okay. He Ooh, no, oh, no, no. rips out of them. And comes free from the thorns, just sort of springs next to them, and looks around. His prey choices <laughs> happen to be a person lying on the ground near the thorns. Oh, no. And you three. But that's his turn. Okay. Which brings us to jail. I shoot him. Okay. Again. For reals this time. <laughs> Sixteen. That is. Alright. Nine. Okay, so you do nine damage to the four he's already taken, and that's going to bring us to the end of the round. 
The humans back up some more. The last one is still lying there. And that brings us to Sable. So what's going to happen for everybody? So if you're within 15 feet of me, I'm afraid that y'all are going to have to, like, uh, hopefully, I'll just say back up to everyone. And then once I know that everybody is out of the way, I'm going to cast Thunder Wave. So a big wave of thunderous force is going to sweep out from me, including in his direction. He's going to have to try to make a constitution saving throw. If he fails, he takes 2d8 thunder damage and pushes 10 feet away. And this wolf cannot roll for shit. All right, good. So, yeah, even <laughs> though he's left. pretty tough, he takes it in the face. All right. Six. Plus four is ten points of damage, and it goes boom! And you knock him back ten feet? Yep. So he goes flying back into your entangle spell. Great. So I will try my Ray of Frost cantrip once more. Okay. And try to hit it. Slow it. You crit. Oh my gosh, really? Yep, that's Ooh, a 20. 20! So, that means... Oh my god! I, I blast it with 11. So you hurl an icicle effectively at it, and it smashes into this thing's face. You definitely break the skin. It does not look happy. And so you see the rabbit, like, dart out of the shed. Rakes are falling behind it. And it turns and bolts into the thorns, ignoring everyone. The wolf is entangled again, but he's trying to run away. And he's going to spend his turn not doing it. Yeah, he can't get away. <laughs> he's like... And Jalen. Jalen is going to knock another arrow and shoot him. Okay. 15. 15 hits. Perfect. Six out of so 12, six. 12 points of damage. 12 damage? I'm sorry, no, 10 damage. 10 damage, holy crap. All right, so you shoot it. Would you like to describe its horrific death? You shoot the shit out of it. I shoot it in the eyeball, into the brain, and there is a gush of blood and a whimper, and it mm. falls over and shuts. I hate dog whimpers. Don't yeah, but it's a big, bony, snarly wolf. It's time for the mid-roll. This is where other podcasts put their advertising, but we don't have any. Which means it's time for Animal Facts. Julie almost played a shrew character, and researching her shrew, she learned that their heart beats 800 to 1,000 times per minute. This gives them super speed and super metabolism. If they don't eat in a day, they can actually die. Also, a good jump scare could also kill them. They can produce 12 body movements in a second, so two shrews fighting is a blur. You should check out the online videos. It's crazy. Shrews are also some of the smallest mammals, with certain breeds as small as about one and a half inches, but others as large as nine and a half inches. They're covered in fur, mainly eat insects, worms, seeds, and nuts. They are nocturnal. Their pregnancy can be as short as 17 days, and they tend to live between one and three years. Childhood for a shrew lasts about three months. Their most notable feature is their long, pointy nose. Okay, folks, let's get back to the show. This wolf is down in the thorns. What are you doing? I will run over to where the person was laying. Uh, th- this person is down on their knees. They're looking at the ground. They've got their hands kind of on the face of their mask. What do you do? Oh my gosh. Are are they okay? Are, are you okay? They do not respond. They're moving though, right? Yeah, a little bit. Okay. Is there any, there's no blood or anything on the, no. the surf? Take his mask off. I will move in. Let me help you. Is it okay if I lift your mask? No response. It makes me a little nervous. I have gloves. Do you want me to do it? I'll walk forward okay. and take off the, the mask. You pull the hood off. Mm-hmm. It's the face of a woman. Mm-hmm. Her eyes are closed and you see two faint scratch marks well, right above the kind yeah. of slit of the eye, bottom of the yeah. eyebrow. Yeah. Oh, I got her. She's just not responding. Okay. Is she unconscious? No. Okay. She's conscious. 
I guess we better take her with us. What does her emotional response look like? Is she panicking that she can't respond? Or is she, like, just in... She's not acknowledging you in any way. Well, can we get her to stand up? I'm gonna try. Come on. You get a hand underneath her her arm and start kind of hoisting her a little bit. And her legs don't bend the right direction? They're bending the wrong direction? Yeah, they're bending the kind of in the wrong way. But she, she stands on them? But they're bending backwards, basically. Yeah. She's in boots and leggings and everything, right? Yep. All right, can I lift the end of one of the leggings? You have to, like, untie some straps that are kind of keeping the thorns from poking up underneath the leggings. Yeah. Pull one up, and there's, there's, that is like a, this leg is very furry. I glanced at everybody else who has the blankets and says, was she like this before? They all shake their heads no. Well, I guess we should get the boots and leggings off. I mean, they're not going to do her any good. You're not going to be able to walk like that. Well, she doesn't matter. How far gone was she before this? How many times has she been struck? A dozen, maybe. Oh my god. Jesus. There may not be much of her left. What do your lord and lady do in such cases? Well, the shifters go feral. They wander off into the thorns and live their life. Um, And come back creatures like that and gesture toward the wolf. I think that used to be a wolf, not a person, but maybe. So, uh... So tell me. I guess we get the leathers off of her so that somebody else can wear them and... Instead of free, we don't know if she's done. I mean... I can put her out of her misery. How animal does she look? Basically, from neck down, she has turned into something. Both of her hands, which were in the glove holes, Mm -hmm. have become sort of hoof-like. She appears to be 65% goat. Still seems to stand on her back legs. Now that she's got her kind of free of the clothes, she just sort of, her eyes do open and she just kind of looks around. Square goat eyes? Yeah. Like the horizontal. Yeah, with the whole weird pupils. Yeah. Weird pupils. Yeah. Try squares in the middle of them or something. You guys are kind of trying to figure out what to do. She like leans down and tries to hoof something to her face and can't do it. I pick up the stick and hand it to her, like, end of her mouth. Oh, yeah, she's yeah. she's got a stick. Yeah, is she chewing on it? Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, poor woman. All right, I can put her out of her misery. What does my Baroness <laughs> do when somebody goes feral? She releases them into the wild. Okay, so that's um, what I'm used to. Yep. What does your lady do with the feral? We put them out of their misery. And yours? Ooh, could there be someone investigating people who are too far gone and trying different cures? Uh, yeah, sure. There could be someone doing you that. You want to sell her to somebody? Well, no, not <laughs> sell her is to somebody. Is there a law? Because, I mean, this is a pretty common thing. So what's the village law, prevailing law, about people who are too far gone? They are no longer considered people. They're considered animals of the forest. Mm-hmm. You do what you do. Either kill them or set them loose? Yep. Or experiment on them. (laughs) That's a choice. (laughs) Lady Miev might know someone who is working on a cure. If you can get her to follow us, we can take her with us. Otherwise, we're killing her or letting her go. I grab hold of the end of the (laughs) stick and start pulling the direction we were going. It stumbles with you, yeah. All right, there you go. Okay. The other serfs, like, they don't really miss a beat, really. They put their heads back back on and... They've got to clear at least 20 more feet of thorns before nightfall, otherwise it'll all be grown in again tomorrow. Should we send them a new person to take her place, or is that a thing? They don't seem concerned. Okay. (laughs) They had an extra person. Okay. You suspect this might be why. Right. Mm -hmm. Because on any given day, they might lose somebody. Okay. Silva, stop hovering. Was that a moth pun? She was like, she she was totally doing it. You can't see it on the microphone, but she's all like, uh, in and out, and in and fluttering. and uh. <laughs> She's doing the whole moth thing. You don't get to see it. All right, so you head to House Miev. House Miev is a large rectangular manor house. All around it are sheep. Just like a, a massive flock of sheep. And there's barns for wool and weaving. A small, basically, surf town of about 40 to 50 people surrounds this manor house. And as you get up to the edge of it, there are still a lot of sheep. 
but starts to turn very nice very quickly. Mm -hmm. And at the front door, there is a servant who has a very light set of mutations, just some horns up at the top of her head. She's happy to let you in, and she's very well dressed. With the person or no? Oh, I I would say, see, let her into the flock. She could be happy here. Well, this is a goat, not a sheep, but close. If she stays, by all means, just release her. But we won't purposefully keep her here. Uh, she wanders away. She wanders away. I dropped the stick. I believe Lady Mib is expecting you. Thank you very much. The Countess will see you in her personal study. And she turns and kind of gestures for you to follow. One last glance back to the goat lady. How's she doing? She's chewing on some grass. Okay. The sheep seem to be fine with her. Okay. <laughs> She seems to be fine with them. That's great. You guys head into the study. Lady Miev is not there immediately. The servant will stop and sort of kindly pull out some a pitcher of water and pour you a drink. Lady Miev will wander in. She's wearing a stand up. fairly gorgeous green evening gown. She looks unmutated. Also, her mouth is closed. Mm-hmm. And behind her come two servants. One of them seems to have really long fingernails, like gnarly long. And the second one, whatever her mutation likely is, it's covered. And the two of them kind of wander in behind her, and she says, All right, we just have a basic job that I need done. It's quite simple. Consider it, though, an opportunity to prove yourselves for future employment. Unfortunately, I couldn't send anyone regularly associated with my house, is it Sylpha associated with her house? Sylpha will do. She has an independent enough reputation that I don't think she'll be turned away immediately. Mm. Turned away? Yes. I need you to go to the Mentor Family Library for me. I am out of favor at the moment, and I am not allowed to access the library, nor are my servants allowed to take anything from it. I need you to go to the library for me. Why are you out of favor? I am rolling insight when she tells us this. Well, Regent Mentor was a longtime friend of my husband. Fifteen. Fourteen. Neither of you suspect that is the reason. And while we're paused, is there any weirdness going on with her mouth while she's talking? She talks with her lips as closed as they will stay, which keeps you from getting a good look. But you can tell after a, a full conversation, she has pointy teeth. Okay. Anyway, I I simply can't get in and can't send anyone. At least not from no one directly affiliated. I will give you the money for fees, and I will pay you a gold apiece to do this. I have four titles that I'm looking for, and she reaches down to her study and table and kind of picks up a single sheet of paper and hands it to you. Okay. If you could fetch those four titles for me, I would be immensely grateful. Would you like us to keep that above the board, or do you want us to filch them? She turns and says, uh, would you two please go set up the room so that they're ready, and uh, come back when you're, as soon as you're finished. We'll send them along. The, the two of them nod and, and walk out. Tess, would you do me a favor, please? Well, they brought in a shifter, and I'd like to make sure that that Creature is fine. Could you double-check on it for me? Sets her jug down and walks out slowly. Objects are technically not allowed outside of the library. You're only allowed to go there and read them. However, there is a system for removing them. The typical fee is about five silver per book. You will find that you need some more money in order to get the librarians to do any work for you, like find the books. I'm giving you five gold to handle any fees that come up, and then one gold apiece for you to make the run yourself. Sound fair? Sounds fair. Tess? Yes, my lady? Like she was mm-hmm. maybe a foot from the door? Come in. Tess steps back in. Yes. I looked out the window and she seemed fine. Oh, good. My lady, you should know. Champion Riley was not subtle in arranging this. Well, I will speak to him on that matter. Roll me insight, please. Ten. She gives you a look of concern. You're pretty sure she's going to take that comment seriously. How about a 22? That seems to have been part of the plan. 
I definitely don't want you to try to travel near the thorns during the dark. So if you'd like to stay for dinner, you're certainly welcome. But you will definitely need to stay here for the night. Otherwise, you'll probably have to leave immediately if you hope to be back to town before it gets dark. Uh, I don't mind staying the night. I should probably send a message home. I can arrange to have a message sent. You are so kind. I would love to stay. Excellent. Well, I will have your quarters set up for you. Tess, could you do me a favor and top off everybody's water and uh, entertain them for a few minutes? I'm going to go see to some other business. And she nods at you. Turn sleeve. I stay standing until she leaves the room. All right. This would be appropriate. Demonstrating proper etiquette, I probably curtsy respectfully as she exits. I'd like to roll an insight on the servant, just because it seems like she would be able to recognize another spy when she sees one. Or Yeah. Well, you could try doing something in Thieves Can't and see if she knows what it That's is. That's true. So with your roll and the fact that you know Thieves Can't, mm-hmm. you drop a subtle comment about, you know, the, the price of bread. Mm-hmm. And a thief would pick that up immediately. She does not pick it up. However, your insight is high enough. She was absolutely eavesdropping. Mm-hmm. She seems a little disappointed that she didn't get any good gossip out of it. Mm-hmm. And is <laughs> waiting in hopes that you'll provide some. History rolls would be appropriate here. 19. It would be fitting that the assassin knows this. Sandra, your lesser history roll is sufficient that you, you know that the servants gossip, and gossip is worth money. Right. And there is a whole network of how to get information from other people's houses. Mm-hmm. You know that the servants who are allowed to be in such a prominent position, like with the lady around her guests, they're going to get the best gossip, and they're going to be able to sell it for more money. And so there's a whole hierarchy in these houses about who gets to be in these kind of positions. Mm -hmm. So she she is at the top of her hierarchy. She is. The fact that she's in this room means this is information that they want escaping. Mm -hmm. Okay. Miev wants this information to escape. Yeah. Okay. You're guessing she sent her out of the room to ensure that she was listening. I am reading out the title of one of the books. Just give me a title. The Family Tree and Coat of Arms of House Miev, 1428 to 1568. Okay. Why do you think that that's at the, the Mentor Family Library and not here? Well, he is the regent, and so they collect the family histories of most of the nobles there. Yeah, but why does Maeve need it now? So the first three titles, you they're very similar. One of them mm-hmm. is the History Family Tree of House Mentor. One is the same thing for House Miev. A third one is the same thing for House Evans. Mm -hmm. And the fourth book says a leather-bound text with the name Guire on the cover. I don't read that one out loud. Just a question relating to that history role. Would I, as somebody who's pretty familiar with the underground in the village, would I know who she's she's selling her gossip to? Every house has favorite servants. Mm -hmm. You would assume that House Evans probably has a mole mm-hmm. working here somewhere mm-hmm. that is buying secrets from this woman. Okay. And that person is a literal mole. <laughs> <laughs> it is quite possible. The problem with this animal trait thing is it's up. hard to be that sneaky. They have, <laughs> she might even have a burrow speed. Mm-hmm. So I'll read out all of the crests and I'll say, do you think she's planning on making a specific present or uh, maybe an argument perhaps for... For marriage? She is interested in the marriage contract. Perhaps she hopes to gain uh, some insight into the other families and prove her pedigree better than the others. Maybe she wants to doctor the pedigrees. Well, if we are removing the books, that could be a possibility. Your servant gets so excited. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like like her face visibly brightens up (laughs) as she's pouring water. (laughs) Do tell! Yeah. There'll be a sharp knock at the door. The door will open. You'll see the servant with claws kind of lean in. Ah, your rooms are ready. Please follow me. Thank you. Thank you. Dinner will be served in approximately an hour, and your washroom is actually on the end of the hallway. 
Does uh, your countess require proper dinner attire? I'm afraid that I didn't travel with any. No, no. People who come out this far are often armed, and we expect the same. And so you guys are each given a guest room. Two of you are on one side of the hall, one of you is on the other side of the hall, and there's a washroom on the end. There's one empty guest room in this wing, and uh, they give you an hour to yourselves. Probably specify. By giving you an hour to yourselves, I mean they go down the hallway a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) And then they make themselves busy dusting something and occasionally glancing at you. Yeah. I will share around the list. I'm not saying these out loud, but I'll point specifically to the Guire book just to see if anybody, anybody know what that is? That history. Ooh, uh, I did very well in my history roll, so I that not. <laughs> is a twenty-three. Yeah, nothing. Yeah, so I mean, fourteen will tell you there. There was a prominent figure named Guire at about the time the kingdom fell, who was the squire of Squire Guire of <laughs> King Fenrir, the last King Fenrir. Your rather ridiculously high number tells you that. Yes, Guire, the only notable Guire in recent, uh, in any kind of recent history, was Guire the Squire, who was actually Sir Guire. Got very offended by people calling him Guire the Squire. But it's so cute! But he is supposedly died shortly after escaping the Thorns. He was in the initial group that managed to cut their way back from the castle to the city. They were all pretty badly mutated by the time they reached town. And Guire passed away shortly after. It's believed in a, some kind of fight where uh, someone accused him of failing to protect the king. Why would she be interested in that? Maybe she's trying to find out more about the curse. Could be. Now that would be interesting. What if it's like a journal of his? That would be interesting. We're going to read these first before we give them over, right? Uh, I wouldn't be a fool. Okay. Of course. <laughs> How do we want to do this? Well, so my my courtier background as a court functionary, I guess I would know movers and shakers, people to talk to about getting access to this library. Why don't I just say Jessica sent me after some books? It's I'm afraid that if we show any interest in the books at all and they go missing, we're going to have an issue. Okay, but we need a reason to be in the library. I wouldn't think it'd be all that odd for three, like, not quite noble women, but, you know... Women who are going to finishing school or who have just finished finishing school to be going to the library. That wouldn't be weird, right? No. So we look for other books. Dinner time arrives rather quickly. and We're having wolf. (laughs) The servants take you out. And would you know it, you're having wolf. Are we? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, God. This is bony. (laughs) (laughs) The marrow. The marrow's the best part. (laughs) It's unevenly cooked, too, because it was really cold in places. (laughs) (laughs) Frozen. It didn't quite thaw out enough. You guys have a pleasant dinner. Miev offers a completely inane conversation about the weather, for the most part, and the fall. I ask how the sheep are doing. Yeah, she'll tell you all about the herd. (laughs) 22 perception. Is she coding anything in what she's saying? You don't think she's coding anything. I'm going to change that over, not to perception, but to insight, though. Okay. You know that she seems invested in a couple things. Okay. One is making certain that this job looks like exactly what she said it is. You are going to get some books for her from the library, and they are uninteresting and not worth note. Okay. She does seem to want to ingratiate herself with you, though. She's looking for some loyalty-based angle. So she's being very polite. She's being very friendly. You're guessing that it's just really important that nobody get the impression that this this job is important. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Dinner goes by without a problem. You head in for the night. Are you going to try to get information out of her servants before morning? I am. Absolutely. Yeah. You won't get Tess, because Tess is with Lady Miev, but you can get a a servant named May, and May is the one with Kloss, who has been preparing your beds and things throughout the evening. I will thank her for all she's done, and in the meantime, do Thieves Can't Sign 
to ask her who she's reporting to. May immediately picks up on your thief's camp. Mm-hmm. Looks left, looks right. I'll, I'll give her a piece of silver. Okay. One silver. She will tell you she is of House Mason. I will give her another silver. Is House Mason after something in particular from House Miev? They ask a lot of questions about how Lady Miev is going to win favor back. Anybody else want to ask me a question? Does she have any plans? Are there going to be any parties here? Things along those lines. So for a, a copper piece. Oh, I'm happy to offer a copper shirt. She will tell you that there are, there are no parties planned. However, Miev has been uh, doing some research. That concludes episode one. Special thanks to Julie from Elaborate Flight of Fancy on Facebook for our logo, and thanks to Todd Ferguson from My Pet Machine on Facebook for our theme song. Please remember to rate and review us. Tune in next time to see what kind of trouble our heroes get into as they try to pick up some books at the library. What could possibly go wrong? going on in your world? Uh, well, I was minute, just about to... Sit. You're right, he does have a list. <laughs> He's gotta have a list. Yeah. Wait a minute. I can't do it. I can't do a list. What? What's going on in your world? <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me try that again to offer, uh, to offer that from the beginning. What's going on in your world?